0: First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. In 2019, I served as celebrant in a service that our senior minister, Amy Petrie Shaw, offered about gender identity. In place of a sermon, they and I did a Q&A with the congregation. Amy and I fielded questions about our own experiences with gender, questions about trans experiences more broadly, and about other topics circling around queer experience. The questions were often thoughtful, sometimes challenging, and fitting the intent of the service. There were many questions about the words we use. Why do we call ourselves bisexual or pansexual or queer? Who gets to use what words to describe themselves and why? I remember one such question in particular. Someone in the congregation said that for a long time they identified as bisexual, but later their partner came out as non-binary. They didn't know if it was accurate for them to say they were bisexual anymore and wanted to know our thoughts as non-binary people ourselves. Speaking for myself, I answered that I identify as bisexual, as a non-binary person, because it fits. In large part, because of other trans and cis people I have known who describe their bisexuality as attraction to people beyond the particulars of gender. Some people might find this definition more expansive than they're used to, but as we heard in our first reading, bisexuals have defined themselves in many and varied ways for decades, and yet still found connection in that single word. This history has played an important role in shaping the words I use to describe myself and why. Over the years, I've found that I use words to describe myself, not only because of who I am, but because of who I'm connected to. This value of connection to other people is important to any community built around identity or shared experience, whether you're trans, whether you're queer, or even if you're Unitarian Universalists. While identity labels can clarify our experiences or set us apart from other people, they can also help us realize the deeper connections we have with one another. As you might imagine, the 20 or so minutes we had in that forum weren't enough to dig into these complex questions. However, if you're an LGBTQ person or you spend a lot of time listening to people who are, These questions and debates about terminology may sound familiar to you. We're all on a spectrum, both for sexual orientation and gender identity, as Isabella Gonzalez wrote in our opening words. We all want to belong. We want to connect with people who experience the world like we do when that world often alienates us. Finding words and labels can help us clarify our experiences and understand them in a broader context. In a 2018 article for Slate, Alex Myers wrote that many coming out stories begin with an internal clarity. I felt this way my whole life, mixed with external confusion. I didn't know how to explain it. Resolving when the person meets either an out-person who acts as a life model or encounters a term that explains what they have been feeling in language. They help individuals articulate what has previously been an undefined internal state. Whether a word, a person, or a community, encounters like these help people understand that their feelings, attitudes, and behaviors don't exist in isolation. Reading that book on my parents' shelf as a kid, I felt both a sense of clarity about myself as well as a comfort in knowing there were other people in the world with feelings and experiences like mine. These words we use to describe ourselves can help connect us to people with similar experiences across time and space and they can feel like a refuge. But perhaps in a perverse way, these labels and their assumed meanings can be used to establish and enforce rigid boundaries, separating it being out who belongs in a group, who doesn't, and why. Later in her article, Isabella Gonzalez alludes to the experiences of alienation from gays and lesbians that some trans, bisexual, and asexual people feel at times. Sometimes it's for not being seen as gay enough or as interlopers in gay community. Some gays and lesbians can perceive these other identities as weakening their political or cultural movements, such as movements for marriage equality or freedom of military service. Or even that, in Meyer's words, by advertising an increasing array of identities, the community will appear too on the fringe and become an easy target for mockery from cisgender and heterosexual establishments. When I look for this in my own life, I think of the time as a college sophomore when I heard an alumnus speak about being told by another organizer that he shouldn't talk about his experiences as a trans man because it would detract away from a message pushing for marriage equality. I think of all the times I've heard bisexual and asexual friends talk about feeling and experiencing alienation for not being gay enough or having the assumed ability to pass as straight. Even more narrowly, I've known pansexuals who assume bisexuals are trans-exclusionary, because they assume bisexuality can only mean attraction to men or women assumed as such since birth. I've also heard bisexuals accuse pansexuals of recreating the wheel of being attracted to multiple genders. So we're faced with this irony. The tools we look to for our own liberation can just as easily be used to separate us out based on the perceived threats of technicalities, ignoring the common experiences, interests, and oppressions we face as LGBTQ people. I think this boxing out is facilitated in part by an individualistic attitude to identity markers and expression. Many of the narratives I've encountered around identity and labeling prioritize individual interest and experience. I hear this sentence Myers uses to close his article, saying everyone deserves a name. While this is accurate, I also find it cuts the scope of the issue down to personal choice. It ends the sentence before considering the community and connection that exist beyond individuals' needs and experiences. And it's not a narrative I can easily fit over my life's experiences. That book on my parents' shelf, it's so amazing, set me down a path to learn more about myself and other queer people, the names we call ourselves and each other. While it was true at the time that I liked boys, I also had soft feelings for girls. And as a young teen, I understood myself as bisexual. As I grew into young adulthood, I felt that interest in women was more limited, and I found it easier to tell other people I was gay when I first came out. In college, I knew more people with many different genders and sexual orientations, and I felt I could be more nuanced in how I explained myself. I remember calling myself a panromantic gay for a while, which at the time felt like a way I could express the possibility of having romantic feelings for people of any gender, while at the core of it, just being another guy who was mostly interested in other guys. I later came to know myself as non-binary and transgender and not really much of a guy at all. I clarified then that I was pansexual, but later fell away from feeling represented by that word. On one level, I felt disconnected from how I heard other pansexuals I knew describe their experience as being interested in personalities rather than genders. And I found that has never really been true for me. But I really came back home to calling myself bisexual because of the other bisexuals I've known in my life. I think of my friend April, a non-binary person who talked often about their experiences in bi-activist groups in Minneapolis. Our first reading, which since its publication has sometimes been called the Bisexual Manifesto, has also been incredibly important to me. I take a lot of comfort and guidance knowing that even 30 years ago, bisexuals were pushing back against preconceived notions of who we are, and how we feel. Even when we are making room for the wide variety of personal experiences we can have, still choosing to call ourselves by the same name, still recognizing that the similarities connecting us are stronger bonds than the difference that set us apart. This is why I say I'm bisexual, not just of because of who I am or how I feel, but in recognition of who I'm connected to Across time and space. All of this is to say I may deserve to have a name, but which one? I've called myself by so many names and eventually come back around to the first word I use to understand myself. I can't make sense of this journey as someone making the decisions of an isolated individual. I've had a similar experience as a Unitarian Universalist, and maybe some of you have as well. My own practices and worldviews have been shaped by paganism, Catholicism, Buddhism, and others. I participate in Unitarian Universalist community where I can cherish and uplift all of those influences without feeling pressure to sideline or suppress any of them. I am a Unitarian Universalist because I value being connected in community to people with a broad range of spiritual and ethical traditions. The richness that comes from that connection is why I'm here. We are not Unitarian Universalists because of one thing we believe, or one way we practice, or one source we honor. We are Unitarian Universalists because of the common vision we have for our lives and the world, and for the connections we have with one another. We recognize that the similarities connecting us are stronger bonds than the differences that set us apart. So in closing, I ask you this. I ask you to consider not just who you are, but who you're connected to. Whose space and values and experiences do you share even in spite of your differences? How are your lives richer because of these connections? While words can get in between us, the visions and the values we share in common can see us through.